0: host to begin the recording. Uh, Good evening. Today is uh, Wednesday, January 5th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is more about alcoholism, and our speaker tonight is Matt J.F. Thank you, Matt.
1: Thank you so much, Kristen, uh, and thank you everyone for the opportunity to be of service tonight um before I dive in I want to do two things the first is apologize for not having a somewhat better setup I'm sitting in my car with the it's actually the makeup mirror that's that's making me look this spectacular um which is good because if I didn't have that I'd look like this and that (laughs) would be really ghoulish uh and then the second thing that I want to do is just say a quick prayer God as ever I'm grateful for the opportunity to be of service in this program that you brought into existence and um, and me so and probably too, nearly three years ago and uh, i pray that you will guide my thoughts and my words to be exactly what they're supposed to be for at least one person on this call tonight to be what they needed to hear um, even if what they're needing to hear and what that looks like afterward is not remotely what anyone expects Amen. Um, so yeah, I'm Matt J.F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Louisville, Kentucky. And um, I, uh, in a way, the the, the you know, me being brought so improbably, in my view, to this program of recovery um, is what led to me living where I live in Louisville. I moved here about a year and a half ago. And I'm sitting in my car outside. Uh, the home of two of my dearest friends who live here. And I moved here to be with my dearest friends. Um, And that never would have happened if it were not for this program. Um, So uh, more about alcoholism. You know, it's funny. uh, I wish that I had done a better job preparing, which is always true, uh, no matter what I'm feeling ill-prepared for. Uh, And the the thing... um, The thing that stands out to me and more about alcoholism is uh is the story of the jaywalker i really identified with that story and uh and so let me just tell you quickly you know a little more about me so you'll understand better what i mean by identified with that story um so uh i'm gonna be 51 next month uh i was born at a normal weight and uh just started not being at a normal weight pretty much every day after that. Um, I was uh, you know, a chubby toddler and a um, uh, a heavy youth and then a portly adolescent. That was the section of clothing that I shopped in at JCPenney, which was awesome. Um, I loved being called portly. Um, and by the time I was an adult, uh, I was you know, grossly morbidly obese, medically speaking um my uh my top weight was 380 pounds that was back in 2003 i got i ruined my gastric bypass surgery and uh, my weight dropped to about 235 and then eventually stabilized at about anywhere in the 250 to 270 range for the subsequent 16-ish years Um, so that that's that's like what my body was like more or less What it was like was uh, absolutely terrible. Um, It was, uh, you know, the way it the way it feels to me now. So, like the two hooks upon which I hung my identity, to me, uh, were smart and fat. And um, you know, smart didn't show on the outside. Fat, I thought, was all anyone ever saw. And that was reinforced by a well-meaning family. You know, it was like my, my being obese was everyone's business, everyone's concern. Um, and, you know, as, as the parent now of a, of a child who was grossly morbidly obese, um, I, I get them more than I ever used to. Um, it's a tough needle to thread to, to be loving and caring and show appropriate concern without, um, without making someone feel like they're not enough. Um, And I don't know that I do it very well. Uh, And and my family didn't. Um, But it wasn't abuse, you know, it was just, it's hard. Um, And so because smart and fat were were the two hooks on on which like I, I, so like I wanted the entire world to perceive me as smart because I was convinced they would always perceive me as fat, unattractive, unworthy, you know, of, of love and belonging. Um, and, and of course, like none of this, I never thought that through until last year. Right. I mean, I'm not saying like I carried that around with me every day. I didn't realize this was what was going on, but this is how I understand it today because the smart could never solve the fat. Like I could solve most problems that, that seemed like they should be solvable by humans. And this one seemed so easy, like just, don't use much, just eat different. Just, you know, stay within your points. Just follow the LEARN program, at the University of Pennsylvania, just go to Weight Watchers camp for four weeks. Just, um, you know, go, go to an Overeaters Anonymous meeting or two as a kid, which like I barely remember, but I do remember the gray sheet. Like I remember that there was literally a gray sheet of paper, um, you know, go to Weight Watchers as a kid, be the only male in the room. At age 12, um, you know, and nothing you're like do all there's so much support. Like, have your grandmother offer to pay you $10 for every pound you lose. Have, you know, have your grandmother offer you amphetamines and not tell your mother about it. Have like all this, right? So much help available. How hard could this possibly be to solve? And it was not helped by the fact that my father had been chubby as a kid and then lost his weight. And then, you know, he was clearly worthy of long belonging. He's been married and divorced seven times. So, um, you know, like it just felt like th- this problem that should be easy to solve, I could never solve. Um, and so it just got, it's like, I got, it's like no matter how much smarter I got or tried to be and how much more I tried to prove that to everyone on some level, I think all I could feel was that, um, like that's all they thought was like, okay, smart guy, solve your fat problem. I couldn't do it. Um, so uh, that's what it was like. It was pretty terrible. Um, and because of my low self-esteem, like I barely dated uh, in high school. Um, I, I married the first person who I dated in any way seriously. We were engaged after three months. We were married nearly twenty years. We are no longer. Um, and uh, and you know, by that point, I'd gotten super good at denial. Um, like super duper good by the time I met her, not, not after the 20 years, after 20 years, I was even better. But like, I, I, by the time I met her at age 25, like I had to get good at denial because if I wasn't good at denial, I was just going to drown in this feeling of unworthiness. I had to push that down. And every time it came up, you know, I I would eat Uh, physical, physical discomfort from, from eating too much food became, the anodyne for for this incredible emotional discomfort um, i am a true compulsive overeater and you know the, the, uh, the this chapter talks about you know I, I feel like i feel like the sequence of, of the big book is like here's the doctor's opinion it lays out you know the physical allergy and the mental toll
0: 12 minutes I also from the beginning
1: thank you i also think of myself as having an emotional intolerance um, which is what invokes the mental twist. So like the desire to do something to because I can't deal with discomfort, emotional discomfort. That's what sort of triggers the whole thing. But then it becomes self reinforcing, right? Because it's like the biggest source of discomfort of emotional discomfort was being fat. So like, it was just this vicious cycle, all the way up to almost 400 pounds, and I'm five foot eight. So like, that was a lot. Um, so, uh, and then and then you have Bill's story, which is all about identification. And then it's like, to anyone who finishes Bill's story and is not all in, then there's, there is a solution, which is like, okay, I feel like it's pretty dark. Please tell me there's a happy ending. And the next chapter is there's a happy ending. But then for those who, have, who, who might not be fully on board, it's chapter three, more about alcoholism. And, and that's the chapter, I mean, there's, I, I was like, I'll take a few minutes before the meeting and go through it. And I always forget that that's the chapter with all the quotes. Um, yeah. incomprehensible demoralization. And, um, I, yeah, I, I can't remember, but, but that chapter is really like, okay, well, so if you're still not 100% convinced that you need the solution we just outlined, we're going to help you really uncover that. We're going to talk about, you know, moderate drinkers and hard drinkers versus alcoholics. We're going to tell you about Fred and Jim and the jaywalker. We're going to, um, we're going to tell you what sort of where we had to get to in order to get to where we got. And, uh, and that places incomprehensible demoralization. So I knew I, I am a true compulsive overeater. And the way I know this is that, you know, like a dozen years ago, um, in a therapist's office, I said that out loud. I said, I think that I really, I had this sudden realization that like, I think when I feel emotionally dis- you know uncomfortable, I just eat until I'm so full. I can't, I can't feel the feeling anymore. Um, and I remember saying to the therapist, this changes everything. Nothing changed. That's how I know I'm a true compulsive overeater and not a heavy eater. Uh, I drank Coca-Cola the way that Bill drank think, gin and grapefruit juice or some disgusting concoction. like I don't even know. Um, and, uh, and I ate the, you know, my, my, my foods of choice the way that Bill W.A.L.S.D. taps. I don't know. So... Um, the, uh, so, so that's what it was like, here's what happened. Um, by the time I reached uh, February 23rd of 2019, uh, still five foot eight, uh, I weighed about 260, 265 pounds. I was not trying to lose weight. I was, um, which, was which was unusual, um, like, I, but I was like, not in a, I was not like on a jihad to like, you know, lose 30 pounds um i i was nearing nearing the end although i didn't know it at that point of a three-year relationship with someone who was in 12-step recovery in the beverage program um, many of my friends many of my best friends were in uh 12-step recovery in the beverage program and good recovery like healthy emotionally sober recovery um i was a big believer so i was a big believer in aa i knew about oa had been to the meeting of a kid um i my then partner and i had talked about oa exactly once she'd asked me what i thought and i had said um i think it's bs i didn't say bs and she said well why and i said because step one is we admitted we were powerless over food but our lives have become unmanageable that ain't me i'm not anorexic or bulimic you know i I can fit through doorways and i'm not going to burst something by binging like i'm sorry but like no go after yourself not her but like you know the, the generic yourself, because uh, I didn't say F. And um, so I had an enormous amount of disdain for the notion that people could be powerless over food, such that their lives were unmanageable. Um, and I was a VAT agnostic at that point. So wh- what happened was um, on February 23rd, of 2019, um, I had long had on my, for, for work, and I don't work in recovery. I worked at a foundation and ran programs that supported entrepreneurs. And I'd had this notion that, like, what if there were a fellow, like a self organizing fellowship based on a rubric like AA, but for entrepreneurs? That would be so cool. And so I'd gone to my then girlfriend and said, you know, what do you think? She said, I think it's great. I said, what should I do? And she said, read the big book. And I was like, it's a really big book. So is there something else I could do instead? And she said, listen to a big book, Steps Today on YouTube. Fine. that took like a half hour, hour, she was like six hours. So that had been sometime the year before I had on my list, listen to a big book step study on YouTube. On this date, February 23rd, I suddenly had a 17 hour drive due to high winds in the Midwest canceling every flight across central time in the US. And uh, and I was like, perfect. So I went to YouTube and I searched for big book step study. Um, YouTube is owned by Google. I use Google for everything and uh, And so when the search results came back, Google very helpfully put Laurie C's Overeaters Anonymous Big Book Step Study right in the top search result not even like fourth. Like the very first suggested video was like, we think you'll like this one best fat boy, even though you didn't mention Overeaters Anonymous in your search. So um, that's that's what happened. Um, That's what I carried into that day uh, and that moment. And at first, I really didn't want to listen to that step study. And I remember thinking, like, that is not what I asked for, Google. Um, I, I work in digital marketing, so I knew exactly what had happened. Um, Google was being helpful. Uh, and then I thought, you know what? I'm already in the tank for AA, no upon attended. intended. Um, I, I should listen to this cockamamie craziness. Because if I, if I listen to that and I can, like, sort of get it, clearly it won't apply to me. But if I can sort of get it, then maybe this is, like, not a terrible idea for entrepreneurs. So. I started listening, the upshot of which is to say that like 20, 25 minutes in, um, and by the way, if you haven't listened to it, uh, Laurie, L-A-W-R-I-E-C um, is is the name of the person. If you go to YouTube and search Overeaters Anonymous Big Book Step Study, it will surely be the first search result. It is a wonderful uh, tour through the steps as outlined in the big book. Uh, and And it's possible you might hear someone like him, maybe it, a big thing that's coming, up, a big event that's coming up that may mentioned earlier. I'm not sure, but maybe. Um, so, uh, five minutes
2: left, Matt. Nice plug.
1: Thank you. So, 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 and I realize. Like, I'm, I'm trying to get back to the chapter here. So, 20 minutes in, he tells a story that is honest to goodness. It was an eating story. It was so gross that I'm not going to repeat it here, and. Uh, and I and I was gonna have and I was, and I thought in this rental car like I'm gonna have to turn this off. This is so disgusting. I'm gonna puke in this rental car. And I really don't want to do that. And then he said, for me, there are some foods I, that once I start, I can't stop, and I can't stop from starting. And that was the moment that I knew, like I, because that was just true. Um, there was there was no dissent. Like, if that's the definition of a compulsive overeater, then yeah, Coca Cola and donuts and. Like corner, corner Ghirardelli brownie is a okay. Duncan Hines. Mm-mm. But Ghirardelli, especially the corner. I have a brownie pan, by the way, still have, you No, know, I think I gave it away. I bought an expensive, I'm cheap. I bought an expensive brownie pan that was all corner pieces, right? That's how much I cared. Um, I quit Coca-Cola, I don't know, a dozen times over the years. And my, like, I don't know what my average, my mean average quit time was, but it was like between 20 minutes and four months. Um, I couldn't do it. I knew that, that there, for me, there were some foods I couldn't, once I started, I couldn't stop and I couldn't stop from starting. And if that's the definition of a compulsive overeater, man, then I'm, I'm that. And there's no shame in it, right? I didn't choose it. And, 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 and this to me is what like connects back to the alcoholic and the jaywalker, right? I, it didn't matter. If self-knowledge or knowledge of physics was going to do me any good, then like the jay or the jaywalker any good, the jaywalker would have stopped. The jaywalker would have known, if I keep walking into traffic, surely someday I will get struck and die, right? That's physics. And I know that I can't stop. I'm just gonna keep doing it. That was me with those foods. I knew they would kill me eventually, or I would kill myself, but I couldn't stop. And so to me, like that is the single best way that I, I always describe my disease to someone in turn, not my disease, but like my, my, my illness. And it's really important because it's just factual, right? It is simply a fact that there are some foods that once I start, I can't stop and I can't start from starting. It is also a fact that I was never asked by anyone, including God, whether I wanted that to be the case. I didn't choose it. I'm also pretty sure, I mean, I can't say for sure, but like, I'm pretty sure no one asked my parents either. So it's not their fault. In fact, it's no one's fault because it's not wrong. It's just true. God decided, the universe decided, random chance decided, right? I I didn't. And so I think for me, the chapter more about alcoholism is like, if you didn't get enough in in Bill's story to really identify in, but you suspect you might be, but you just can't get with like the degree of shame and demoralization that that's in Bill's story. And you're like, but that doesn't feel like me. More about alcoholism is the chapter for you because it's the chapter that sort of walks you through a bunch of examples um, of like that, that, like if you can't see yourself in more about alcoholism, you're probably not one of us. Um, and I, I'll just leave with like my favorite example from that chapter of that. Um, it's so hilarious that I was like, I'll just pick out a few things, everything. Everything's highlighted. Um, I'm looking for the thing. Um, sorry, uh, it's uh, all the things that we tried. Um, and i'm not going to find it and i don't want to burn time uh on the recording but basically it's like we tried everything oh here's some of the methods we have tried you ready drinking beer only, limiting the number of drinks, never drinking alone, never drinking in the morning, drinking only at home, never having it in the house, never drinking during business hours, drinking only at parties, switching from scotch to brandy, drinking only natural wines, agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job, taking a trip, not taking a trip, swearing off forever with and without a solemn oath, taking more physical exercise, reading inspirational books, going to health farms and sanitariums, accepting voluntary commitment to asylums, we could increase the list ad infinitum. If you can't see yourself, in at least one of those examples. If you don't, if none of those, if it not no point during that rest. Oh,
3: Matt, you got just muted just then. You said, but I, we heard you say if you can't see yourself in one of those and then it cut off.
1: Got it, yeah, sorry. Uh, when I switched back, Zoom was like, oh, you want to log back in? Um, if you can't see any part of your history, if you didn't identify with any single one of those things I just read. You might not be you might not be one of us. And you know what? That's totally cool. Like there's no and there's like it's it's neither good I see it as like it's neither good nor bad that I'm a compulsive overeater. It's just a fact. Because there are some foods that once I start I can't stop and I can't stop from starting. And no human power was ever going to solve that problem. Only working the steps and surrendering that to a higher power which did create the, the, the issue was ever going to solve it. So you might not be one of us, and that's awesome. And if, and if coming to the program, like if attending meetings and having a food plan and, and being able to like having fellowship with people is enough for you to stop, that's great. You, like be, just like not being, like you have stopped eating compulsively. That is the only requirement um, for membership. So thank you. Um, so, you know, d- don't stop. But if you did identify with that and you know that for you, there are some foods that once you start, you can't stop and you can't stop from starting. Maybe, maybe keep coming back until you find the solution. And, you know, they say, keep coming back till the miracle happens. Maybe try that. I mean, the worst thing that's going to happen if you do that is probably your life's not going to get any worse. It'll probably get better. Um, and and I, I don't like giving advice or seeing you, but I will say, like. And if you can't keep your abstinence, so what? You're not a bad person. You're a compulsive overeater. And this is really goddamn hard. Keep coming back. Your life will probably get better um, the longer you do. And, uh, and you know, we'll love you until you can love yourself. So with that, uh, I will pass. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you so much, Matt. That was fantastic. Um... That was great, what am I supposed to say? Oh, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing in questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We asked you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or hit star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time, in, time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow the speaker three minutes for the answer. Thank you. Okay.
3: Well, I don't see any hands up yet and that's actually very convenient because I wanted to share tonight. So I think if that's okay. Um, but people go ahead and put those hands up, um, and we will definitely call on you. Um, but I'm Victoria w. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and insulin manipulator. Thank you so much, Matt, for your service. Thank you for everybody serving, including those who showed up because you make this, um, you make this a meeting. Um, I, I too love this chapter and I really identify with what you said about like, oh, I'll just pick out a few things. It's like, oh, the whole thing's highlighted because when I look at my book, for this chapter especially i really see that and i um you know especially this time of year you know a lot of people are making resolutions it feels so fucking good to not be making a resolution this year like just it's just like or like i was like okay if i have to make one i guess it'll be like continue to grow you know or something you know but i remember all the ones that were like we're just going to eat two sweets a week like i remember that was a resolution i that was one of the methods i tried and What I really love about this chapter is, are the stories, um, because when OA was suggested to me by a therapist, um, you know, you mentioned how knowledge, knowledge wasn't enough. And we see that in the stories, um, in this chapter, um, I remember my therapist saying, what about OA? And I remember thinking, yeah, like go F yourself. Like, I was like, I'm not overweight yeah, I have a, you know, yeah, I have diabetes. Yeah, I'm sick all the time. Yeah, I'm missing work. Yeah, I'm like yelling at people when I can't get my, the food that I want, but like, that's fine, right? <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't really see how this relates to me. Um, and then I got knowledge and that was great. Knowledge was awesome. And then I saw how my d- disease was progressing and how knowledge that this was a disease um, and it wasn't just a moral failing. That was awesome. It was great, but it wasn't a solution. Um, And I remember reading this, I have very self-centered alternate names for all these chapters. So like for we agnostic, I used to call it me agnostic. And for this one, I I say more about Victoria for more about alcoholism, like, um, but of course I do, right? But um, I remember for, you know, for Jim, you know, I was like putting whiskey in your milk, like, oh my God, what an addict thing to do. Like, who does that? And it's so funny because, you know, the sponsor who took me through the steps is on this call right now. And they can tell you, like, I called them one time and I was like, so I was out of carbs for the day. And so butter doesn't have carbs. So I ate, I ended up eating a container of margarine, like a whole container of margarine. And it's like disgusting, but it, to me, it made sense. I was like, it doesn't have carbs and I'm diabetic. So like, that's totally fine. <laughs> and I don't repeat that because like, I think it. like, I'm laughing. Cause it's too sad, you know, but like, I don't repeat that because I love telling that story. It's really hard for me, but I think it's important just to like put the crazy out there um that this really is crazy and to my mind it seems totally normal um with the jaywalker I also remember the rush right like knowing something's dangerous for you and the rush of overdosing my insulin seeing it go so low and then getting to binge again and going I don't want to do this but I can't stop but then getting that little rush of like "Ooh, that was a close one that could have been really bad um, and it's sick. Like it's nothing, it's nothing other than a mental illness, but That's I did. my it. friend. I'll wrap up. Thank you. I didn't choose it. And I'll just end with a quote from Fred's story that my worst days now are better than my best days before. So a lot of things from this chapter that I'm really glad I got some time to highlight and I will pass next. We will go to
2: Angela G. Hey, everyone. I am Angela and I'm a gratefully recovered uh, compulsive overeater and bulimic. So wonderful. Thank you everybody doing service. Matt, thank you so much for your share. Um, I actually have a question, um, but I, I, what I really loved hearing, uh, what really, really stuck out was it's not wrong, it's just true, right? It's all true. I used, to, I used to be so black and white and I'd be like, you know, what is it? Is it this or is it that? You know, what's wrong with me? Is it, is it because of this or because of that? And it's like, how about it's all true, right? It could all be part of who I am, right? It all played a part. I don't have to know what it is. It's just all true. Um, but I, what I would really love to hear you talk about is um, I heard you speak Actually, it was um, it was another uh, it was special edition, actually. And I loved what you shared about how you came around to your belief in your higher power. So could you I don't know if you could condense it at all, but it was really wonderful to hear it. And um, and it really moved me. So I'd love it if you could speak to that.
1: Sure. Um, Thank you for the kind words and for the question. I mean, basically what happened was, uh, the line, I mean, I remembered it as God is everything or nothing. The line is actually, we finally had to admit the proposition that either God is nothing or else he is everything from we agnostics. Um, I I had encountered the big book in my life previously. That line had always stuck with me. I, I, it was like the only thing I remembered from the big book. I knew the serenity prayer. I thought that was in the big book. Nope. Um, and, uh, yeah, one day, a couple months after I blundered into the program, um, I came in a devout agnostic. I, I kind of just didn't sweat it. Like to me, devout agnostic is like I'm pretty sure there's something out there. Like I, I feel pretty confident in that I can't prove it, but um, I'm much more certain that if there is, it has not a damn thing to do with me. Um, like it is not. It is not the god of why does not eat donuts. It is the and can't stop it is the god of like black holes exploding so um one day in a meeting i just like that we were reading a lot from the big book someone read that sentence aloud and i just kind of walked down a path of like all right smart guy like let's say it's let's just accept that that's that is literally true either everything or nothing which is it and i just chose everything um and and the reason that special edition was titled a faith that works is like it, that is the faith that works for me. I have no religion at all, by the way, like the God I prayed to at the beginning is not a God of anyone's of any text or any sect. It's just, it's everything It's a God. That's ev- literally everything. And guess what? I'm part of that. And that means that um, if it, like to, to me, and, and like, if you think you can prove me wrong, that's awesome. Like, if you disagree, that's cool. I, I, I'm not really interested in having the conversation because this is a faith that works for me. Um, if God is everything, literally, and I am part of everything, then I am part of God. Like, that's the tr- like the transitive, whatever, right? Um, and if that's the case, then, like, if I am in some way embodying the tiniest sliver of a shard of of that higher power, then then how could everything that has ever happened in my life, or ever will happen, be anything but exactly what was supposed to happen, and and that reconnecting to that is like the point of all of my footwork. It's like all like my I have this lengthy morning prayer reading thing that's a combination of prayers from the big book and prayers from other sources and prayers that I bastardized from other sources or adapted or written whole cloth, and um, and the point of all of it is reconnecting to that notion that like God is everything, part of everything, part of God, is all supposed to be happening. Um, I I, I still get resentful, right? I mean, because I'm human and and things like the universe does not unfold according to um, like, to maximize my pleasure, sadly. Um, But it's not sad, right? And I'm not actually sad about it. It's just what's true. It's like, it's either true or not true that the universe is unfolding the way Gentle it's unfolding. It, thank you. What you said at the beginning about like, you know, I, I interpret as like wanting to know why, wanting to understand my disease, wanting to like, cause that's how I'll fix it. Why is it an outside issue? Like it, it's not, it's just like, it doesn't matter why I'm a compulsive overeater. It only matters that I'm a compulsive overeater. Is it interesting? Sure. But it doesn't, it, it has nothing to do with my recovery. So uh, I hope that was helpful. I pass.
0: All right, before we continue, I'd like to ask uh, Victoria to stop the recording.